0: This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700. Your best insight into Utah Jazz Basketball and the NBA in Utah. For the next two hours, it's nothing but NBA conversation from the local front to around the association. Now let's get things rolling with Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: (laughs) All right, welcome into the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. I'm your host, Andy Larson, alongside Zach Harper. Yes, Uh, We are are a little bit scrambling. We've got a really fun show today, first of all, a little bit of a crazy show for you. Um, For whatever reason, I don't know why I did this, I I asked you guys on Twitter what you guys wanted us to talk about today, and because I am, what, like a masochist, like I I think I, I, I decided to say yes to every single suggestion.
2: I think they're all good suggestions most of them well, i think the well, yeah i think the spreadsheet one was a little bit interesting it gives us stuff to talk about which is kind of the goal here
3: yeah
1: no i i, I like it and i want to f- you know i want to fill what you guys uh, you know i want to make our audience happy we we don't exist for any other reason besides to like make you guys talk about things that you're interested right. in and hopefully a way that entertains you in some weird way yes or not weird way, even if we entertain. Preferably you in a... weird though. <laughs> Preferably, Preferably weird. weird, and show. look,
2: we're all just looking to kill time here, right? Yeah, that's all we're doing.
1: Yeah, you're you're driving, or if you're not driving, I mean, even more kudos to or, you to like yeah.
2: clicking on the link, and, or and you're not doing homework right now, or you're right. not, you know, ending your lunch break early. You're listening to this later as a podcast. I mean, good yeah. on you.
1: That's that's. And so we're we're here to serve you guys.
2: What are the odds? There's a family around the dinner table right now with the radio on, listening to us because they wanted to listen to us during dinner time. I hope so. If if that's you guys,
1: I mean, call in first of all eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred. I want to know like what you're eating, what your family dynamic is like, mm. whether or not you'll adopt us.
2: I, I think. made I made chili the other night, so they can get the recipe from me if they'd like. Uh,
1: we we have a lot to offer. Yeah, we've got a lot to offer here. <laughs> Um, I mean, so call us, uh, anyone is welcome to call us, not just families listening to us around the dinner table, 877 353 or you can also tweet us as well, which is how we got most of these suggestions, um, at Andy B. Larson or at Talk Hoops. So, uh this first segment like I said we got like 15 20 suggestions overall and literally every segment we're just doing something related to those suggestions. This first one is from Chris at Squared k 2 uh asking for the record proje- projections for the rest of the season. And I thought we'd start this conversation just by looking at what ESPN predicts and their their power index ranking uh which takes into account kind of how the teams have performed statistically to this point, their schedule moving forward, et cetera, et cetera. It does not notably take into account injuries which right. are you know obviously a big part of the picture for a lot of these teams, but let me just kind of read these off to you, Zach. Uh, San Antonio actually leads the Western Conference projections uh, in terms of most likely to win the title, which I think is interesting.
2: Because they've got a historic point differ- differential right now, right, which, which is it... amazing considering what the Warriors have done.
1: Right. So the Warriors have two losses yeah. and are still not the favorites to win the title. That's crazy. It's crazy. Now, the Warriors are expected to win the Western Conference regular season yes. at 70 wins, 70 and 12, not quite 72 and 10, but for what would it's be worth. the
2: second team to win 70 games, which is still. It's still. That's something. not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'd take that.
1: Yeah. Warriors fans would probably take that at the beginning of the season. Uh, and then San Antonio's number two there with 66 wins. Oklahoma City, 55 wins. The Clippers, 52 wins are your top four. Then it gets a little bit fuzzy with Memphis and Dallas at 43 wins and Houston and the Jazz making the playoffs despite having records underneath 500 with only 40 wins. Right. Going down further down in the Western Conference standings, Sacramento 35 wins as well as Portland, New Orleans 33 wins, Denver 30, Phoenix 30, Minnesota 26, and the Lakers rounding off the Western Conference
2: with 19. 19 sounds high. Uh, Yeah. That sounds like an extra amount of wins for them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, can you see them winning? T- I could see them winning 11 more games, I guess, right?
2: Um, I don't know. Are we counting scrimmages in practice? <laughs> I, Even maybe, then, I think it's a tie.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, all of these projections are, are pushed towards a mean. That's why it's actually kind of incredible that the Warriors are still projected to right. win 70. Um, uh, yeah, I... I uh, okay. My initial thoughts, first of all, is this would be the first time in a long time that the, the West would have two playoff contender playoff appearances by teams under five hundred. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, forty a forty win season for the Jazz at this point seems about right, given the injuries that they've had. But then now we look at getting Derek Favors back probably sometime this week, and Rudy Gobert returning to the rotation. There's some information that the uh, record projection stat. Computer doesn't know about the Utah right. Jazz and and some of these other teams moving forward too.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that you would have to look at that as even if it's under five hundred, you almost get in by default. Uh, but right. as long as you get in and you get that experience, even if it's only four games against the Warriors or whatever it's going to be, um, you know, I think that you look for that. Like the the Jazz will certainly take that; they'll certainly feel like they're probably ahead of schedule because whenever you talk to them, um, it's a lot of like it's a lot of developmental like heavy jargon that mm. they're throwing out there i mean i don't i don't think they're not expecting to make the playoffs i just don't think that that's their priority as much as developing the players to develop really a culture
1: yeah and I, it's funny like i think the players want the playoffs certainly, certainly You know, rudy yeah. gobert said the playoffs is our goal for this season right but if you talk to the front office people or even Quinn Snyder, they're, they're so focused on the long term that, you know, the record doesn't really matter, which I think has been really helpful for the, for the Jazz as they've lost a number of games that have been very, very close down the stretch. You know, you miss a free throw. Rodney Hood misses a free throw to tie the game. Uh, Rodney Hood misses a, a potential game-winning three-point shot Noticing against the trend here. <laughs> I mean, so Rodney Hood, <laughs> if Rodney Hood is slightly better at basketball, the right. Jazz have what, three more wins? I don't know. Uh, I, And I think that sort of perspective is good.
2: Think, you, I, go ahead. I think it's interesting, too, that there doesn't really seem to be much competition for this 8th seed. I mean, right now it's, what, one and a half, two games between them and the Kings? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Let's, maybe the Blazers are half game behind that. But to finish five games ahead of the nine seed, um, that's that shows a bit of a cushion. It shows that there really is separation between them and the other contenders for that playoff spot
1: yeah so right now there are two games ahead of the kings uh but you're right that if you look at the point differentials and whatever else that the jazz are a you know significantly better than the kings and i think you look at the kind of like talent levels and and really maybe the dumpster fire that has been the kings at the end of the season for the last six years um that that's a kind of a reasonable call yeah it's kind of interesting and actually this gets us into our next question from at basketball musings uh Asking what the Jazz's chances would be against the top four teams in round one, he asked if they get fully healthy and play like last year at the at the end of last year defensively. First well, of the all, the end of
2: last year defensively is quite a team.
1: Right. If they if they play like that, that's a ninety four point eight defensive rating team. So that's the best or second best defensive team in the league. Right. And play uh, hundred and five offensive rating offense. You know, a top ten offense in the league. That would. That's a team that can beat. Everybody but the Warriors and the Spurs. Right,
2: which unfortunately which, it looks like they're <laughs> right. headed towards a m- matchup with the Warriors and the Spurs. But
1: I don't, I don't, I don't see them coming together like that. You no, know? but that, are, just, just even like if, the odds of that are, are let's pretty. Let's say crazy. they did
2: though. Okay. Um, do you think they take a game against the Spurs and/or the Warriors? I still don't, and I don't think that's a One knock game? on them. I just think that that's how good these teams are. Like we, we saw an okay Pelicans team. Pushed the Warriors at times during that series last year, but it was still a 4-0 sweep. Right. I think you would see a couple of very close games.
1: Yeah. No, but, I do I, I do too. I think you would see a couple of close games, and it'd be kind of a coin flip whether or not the Jazz would win one yeah. of them, you know? Uh, uh, you know, the Warriors, the Jazz did beat the Warriors kind of during that run at the end of last season, uh, so it's not impossible, and certainly right. they would not be favored. You know, The question is kind of whether it's a four-game sweep or a five-game series. Right, it's, yeah. it's not that big of a deal, but... Truthfully, actually, I, I wrote this down. I think the Warriors and the Spurs beat everyone else in the league in five games, right? You know, I you look at, like, a Spurs-Thunder series, and I don't know, probably Vegas' favorite is that that goes five, maybe six? Like, Yeah, I mean, I
2: think six would probably be pushing it.
1: Yeah, I, those two teams are, are by far the, the, the class of the league.
2: Right. Yeah, so I think that ideally you'd like to see the Jazz, if you're a Jazz fan, get into that. Six seed, but there is quite a bit of work to be done in order to do that. But if they're playing at that level that they were at the end of last season. Right. And, I mean, they'd have to leap, one, a Houston team that is all over the place, speaking of dumpster fires, and Mm -hmm. two, a Memphis team that we don't know that's honestly that good.
1: Right. Well, and, I mean, they're not that far out of it, right? They're they're four and a half games out of five and the Dallas Mavericks, and they're three games behind the Memphis Grizzlies. Right. And you look at the upcoming schedule, and you know the next eight games are not going to determine how the Jazz do. But you, you look at how the Jazz's next two weeks looks, and they've got at Portland Wednesday, tomorrow. That's a winnable, winnable. game. Home against the Kings, Very definitely winnable. winnable. Home against the Lakers, winnable. Yes.
2: At Charlotte. Charlotte's, super win- ki- Charlotte's kind of a mess right now.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're not playing defense. Yeah. I mean, they're. Emma Walker's
2: been really bad over the last fifteen games.
1: So that's pretty winnable. I think they'll still be without Al Jefferson yeah, at that still point. Out.
2: I think he's still out for a few weeks.
1: So you've got that. Then you play at Knicks, which is a Knicks a hard just game. got back
2: to five hundred away. I'd probably give the Knicks the edge there, yeah. but still winnable. Yeah, at Brooklyn, definitely winnable. <laughs>
1: And at Washington, again, probably you give the, the nod to Washington as a favorite there, but the right, Wizards but are still under 500. They actually, I believe they have the same record as the Jazz do right now.
2: Yeah, I've, uh, Bradley Beal, I believe, is due back this weekend. Okay. Um, John Wall was getting an MRI today. I think there's some kind of infection with March and Gortat. I mean, they're as injured as a lot of teams, and they can they can definitely be susceptible to losses at home. They, right. They've not been very good.
1: So you look at the next... I guess, seven, eight games, and you can kind of see a path for the Jazz to, sure. to move up to the 5-6 seed. And then it gets really interesting to me. I mean, I, again, you would still probably take the Oklahoma City Thunder and, and Los Angeles Clippers as, as favorites against the Jazz. But just kind of looking at how the Jazz have performed against the, the Thunder and the Clippers since then, Jazz are 1-3 and since the counter trade against Oklahoma City. I think they'd struggle. I think that's probably a five- or six-game series. But if you look at how they've played against the Clippers, they're one-on-one since the counter-trade. I mean, you're, I'm, and I'm not saying two games means anything, really. But with how the Clippers have played recently, maybe they figure it out by the end of the season, but maybe they don't.
2: Yeah, I mean, they've run off like nine in a row, but it's been a weird nine in a row. It's without Blake Griffin. I'm still not buying this bench. Um, I'm not sure I'm buying DeAndre Jordan as a defensive anchor. I'm not even sure that I'm buying Doc Rivers as like knowing, not knowing, not saying he doesn't know what he's doing, but... Being a guy that you think like, yep, he's definitely going to help the Clippers in a playoff series. Like we just we haven't seen a whole lot of that over the last yeah. couple of years.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he's not really like an out-coached another coach kind of right. guy. Right, like I would
2: obviously, I would still take the Clippers.
1: Yeah, like even right. if,
2: like Jazz move up to the five seed. They're yeah. playing really well, but I think it goes seven. Yeah. At least six. Like, I think that could be a real competitive series. Yeah, and I
1: think the Jazz are, are, again, healthy, well-suited to match up against the the Clippers. You know, Derek Favors guarding Blake Griffin. Uh, Good defensive point guards, ideally, to guard—heck, maybe you get Dante back, probably not, but regardless—to yeah, uh, guard Chris Paul. Uh, Rudy Gobert and and DeAndre Jordan, there are some interesting matchups there. And then you add in Gordon Hayward, um, Alec Burks being back, and, of course— Jazz struggled with JJ Redick last time but I you know yeah. we're talking about a, an actually competitive series.
2: Yeah, I think it could be very interesting.
1: And for Jazz fans that's not something that we've talked about in a long time.
2: Right. So but at the same time you still have to keep building, you still have right. to remain you know, keep getting healthy and this is kind of the the mark of a of whether or not you're actually a good team is can you win this stretch of winnable games? It doesn't mean you have to mm-hmm. sweep through the next 6 games. Like that's not that's not going to be what proves that you're good, but you probably need to win at least four of those games. Yeah. And that's what a good team would do. And if we think the Jazz are a good team, which I think they are when healthy, that's what they would do.
1: Yeah, no, and I agree. You you look at them potentially getting Favors back soon and and from what I hear he is rapidly improving was considered to go for the Lakers game and you know, they kind of waited let's let's wait a couple of extra days just to see how this this heals completely, but uh I you know, uh, this looks like a stretch of games that yeah if, if you're it, sure many of them are on the road but if you don't win at least four five is probably what you're shooting for yeah. six or seven would be great
2: Be ideal yeah uh
1: yeah okay so i i think and we'll keep talking about that too we've got another question from another fan uh that we'll talk about in the eight o'clock hour about you know kind of what a, a trade acquisition for example would do to those sort of chances right. um Another kind of random topic, uh, this one is from Michael England, at M underscore England 83. Is it a coincidence that Rodney Hood and Gordon Hayward have played better since Alec Burks went down? Uh, I would, first of all, quibble with the premise. Right. You look at their per-36 numbers – uh Hayward scored one more point per game but gotten 0.3 fewer assists and rebounds so and shooting about the same percentages. Uh Rodney Hood has scored more but has done it on less per, uh, less good percentages which tells me that he's getting more opportunities because the ball's in his hands more often. Right. Uh so I, I don't know that he those two players have played better since Alec Burks went down. Well, I would, At least not offensively.
2: Right. I would say that it is a coincidence even if we accept the premise that they have played better in his absence because isn't that kind of what's supposed to happen? I mean, a player goes down, guys step up. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the mantra of every team. It's always you always hear if a team has injuries and they win a game, they're gonna start you know banging the drum of next man up has to step up and be ready and blah blah blah. And so I would you know I would say that instead of looking at this stretch and saying oh Alec Burks went down and the Jazz you know started getting a little bit more successful, I would look at that as. You know, a positive towards the team building, the development, rather than like a oh, maybe we don't need Alec Burks.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I would say that you know, next man up doesn't really make sense for the the star player on the team. You know, like right. Gordon Hayward right, is right, right. not the next man up; he's yeah. been there the whole time. But I don't think he's played any better. So you know, it's yeah. it's, it's there's I that. I mean, he's had
2: a like he's had a couple of really good games this week, right? Which I think you would expect him to do, whether Burks was there or not. Right.
1: right. I, I I mentioned this earlier, actually, on this station, ESPN 700, uh, I was on with Tom Kirkland's show, and he asked me, you know, why is Gordon Hayward playing better recently? And I think, really, the biggest reason that we've seen the the last two games, particularly this weekend, is that teams are just not—we're not loading up against him, or at least— uh, the the two teams that the Jazz played over the weekend, the Heat and the Lakers, were not loading a- up against him the way the teams did earlier in the week. Right. They weren't sending traps on pick and roll to get the ball out of his hands and into Trevor Booker or Trey Lyles' hands. And as a result, Hayward was a lot more effective.
2: Well, I think you also see it, too, with that's the effect of Rudy Gobert on the court is, one, he's a very good screen setter. Two, he moves the ball pretty decently within the flow of the offense. Mm-hmm. And three, he's he rolls really hard to the basket. Yeah. And teams respect that and teams don't want to be on a poster and they don't want to give up that big, you know, rolling down the middle, getting the dunk or getting to the free throw line or whatever, unless they're a bad free throw shooter. And so because of that, that naturally sucks the the defensive focus in those plays away from Gordon Hayward. And then you saw him against the heat. And one, Hassan White it's a horrible pick and roll defender, so that helps. Right. But um but you see that is that when you can get into those situations, Gordon Hayward knows how to pick those apart.
1: Yeah, I think basically Gordon Hayward's making the right sort of plays. Yeah. It's just whether or not his compatriots on the floor are able to to finish them off. And sometimes
2: know. shots just fall. Right, right. that's true.
1: Yeah, and I think we saw a lot of that during his 18-point quarter in, in Miami. You know, yeah. he took, what, nine or ten mid-range shots and eight or nine of them fell, and sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't happen. Right, and exactly. they're all talking about what a bad game he had or whatever. Um, I will say, though, that it is is it it is interesting to me that the Jazz's record without Alec Burks has been better. Just the the record has been better. Um, five and four since Alec Burks' injury so far this year. The Jazz were 12 and 16 with him. And then you look at last year, they were 29 and 26 without Alec Burks in 2015, and then 9 and 18 with him. So, mm-hmm. again, kind of going above 500 from below 500 to above 500 without him. Obviously, context changes a lot
2: of that, yeah. right? Like last year. Who you're playing.
1: En- Ennis cantor Right, yeah. Who's on the team. Was on the team and kind of, you know. I don't know, whatever bad defense metaphor you can throw out there. He's a, like a
2: saloon door. Yes. There's no resistance. Everyone's just going in and out as much as they want.
1: Right. But I do think that there is something to Burks not being the world's best defender. He's not the world's sure. smartest defender. I think you do probably get an upgrade when you go from Burks to even someone like Tr- Chris Johnson, for example, who yeah. probably provides you some more steals and, and a little bit more energy. Uh, it's just kind of whether or not in the end, Burks is is a net positive or a net negative?
2: I mean, I would think he's probably neutral right now. I would expect most guys, like I would expect Rodney Hood to be a neutral, net positive. Yeah, um, just because youngish guys still developing, still finding the role on a pretty young core. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I think I look at it as just like, eh, a small sample. Yeah, whatever. there's a, there's a lot of noise in in these. In it's these not numbers. worth freaking out about yet. Yeah, you, I would think you also look at, you know, Rudy Gobert missed a lot of those games. Where right. Alec Burks is playing, and Rudy Gobert is one of the a most important player. players on this team on this <laughs> yeah. team, you know. So like that's going to affect the record. Whereas you know the last couple of games, Gobert's back, and oh by the way, they climb above five hundred without Alec Burks.
1: I do think that Alec Burks is is not quite like a member of the core. You know, he's he's not okay. Gordon Hayward, Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert, right? Yeah, 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 he's you know, in I, that next tier. He's in that next tier, and I, I do think that you know that kind of does make him. Uh, movable if you if you did get something in
2: return yeah I don't, think I don't think he's untouchable right. I, just, I just think that um I don't know I I like I like the move of him this year to the six man role mm-hmm. I think guys like that who can create shots who can kind of create a little bit of chaos in that six man role that's the type of guy I like yeah. in that role and and so I think that he. He projects to be kind of perfect for it as long as he stays healthy and, and keeps improving.
1: Agreed. Yeah, and I'm I'm always, uh, let me ask you this. When you're kind of evaluating where a player is, are you looking at the number of seasons he's played or are you looking at what age he is? You know, so like Alec Burks is 24 years old. This is his fifth NBA season. Obviously, he's he's out right now with the ankle injury, but at, at what point do you say Alec Burks is kind of he is who he is at this point?
2: Yeah, I mean probably like right after that rookie contract. Okay. I think it's usually with guys Somewhere
1: like... So are at actually about that time. About
2: that time, yeah. I think usually with guys like rookie contract, I start thinking like, okay, this guy could still be here or be there or be this as a player or be that as a player. Um, once they get into that second contract and they're really starting to, you know, kind of show where they are as a player, I think, you know, I guess like I guess if we're going to put an age on it, it's like 25, 24, okay. 25, depending on when they come in the league, uh, about year five or six yeah. in terms of experience. And, and really like... You also have to factor in how many minutes they're getting in those years, right? Like, if you're a a 14-minute-a-game guy, well, I don't really put a whole lot of stock into that. If you've been playing 25 minutes, you know, every year—25 minutes a game every year— for the last three years, then you start feeling like you know more about that player,
1: right? And that, and you know, there are guys who have had that time and yeah. just have complete have struggled with it for whatever reason. And at that point, yeah, I feel like you, you kind of know, you know, by the year four of Brandon Rush, we knew that he was not going to be like a superstar, or, right? You know, whatever the case might be. Um, ditto with, I mean. On the other hand, it's hard because, like C.J. Miles, for example, another longtime Jazz man who ended up. Improving you know in his from the probably the biggest improvement in his career from like seasons eight to ten,
2: yeah, which I don't know it, it's well hard. he also didn't he come out of high school, yeah, right you know, so that that throws a lot you know a lot of noise into the mix and um and I don't know, sometimes it's just about fit, like yeah, they could move Alec Burks to a team that uses him perfectly mm-hmm. and you would look at that trade and be like, what were they doing, but sometimes he wasn't gonna be that player here or he what he can't be that player somewhere else
1: right. We have one last request that I'm putting right before the break because I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Namely, at Menace Society UT says, fun with spreadsheets, how pivot tables, V lookups, and VBE will rock your world.
2: I don't know what any of that means. That's just like, I mean, I I I I know what a table is.
1: Yeah, I, I am, let's be honest, I'm a nerd, like I've messed with Excel, I, I know what all of those things are,
2: sadly. and I know how to do an average in Excel. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, I feel pretty <laughs> good about that, about that knowledge. Uh,
1: but the whole point is that we talk about sports, right? And right. Th- th- the, the family listening around the dinner table is very upset that we're talking about Excel pivot tables right now.
2: Right. I mean, they
1: have turned the station to... I didn't
2: even know they could pivot. So that's – I mean, I thought that – I figured pivot table was some type of post play or something.
1: It's like a lazy Susan right. with a re- right. spreadsheet. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side, we're going to be talking about the next Jazzman to have their number retired. That's another one of your fan requests coming up next on the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700.
0: You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop show. Andy Larson, Zach Harper with you. Uh, SaltCityHoops.com, we are the ESPN True Hoop affiliate for the Utah Jazz, covering the Utah Jazz every day on SaltCityHoops.com. Uh, so our we're doing kind of a, a crowdsourced show today, just taking your questions all two hours of the show today from 8 until 10. Uh, the next one we're looking at right now, we did actually, by the way, get one from Riley O'Jazz, just barely asking about Zach's opinion on Dante Exum. We've got a whole section of Dante Exum. Yeah, we've questions got like a Dante. That we're Dante saving time. It, Yeah, so that we're saving until nine o'clock. So yes. uh, wait until then. But for now, we're going to be talking about the next jazz man to have their number retire, retired. That's from Classless, Classless Skip is his, I guess, handle or at Tim Sederberg is, is the. I don't know. I get those confused. The name and then the yeah, the handle is the, the at. Okay. Yeah. So what do you call the classless skip part of his name?
2: Um I think that I think that's just like nickname. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Like I, am gonna I'm gonna, I'm like gonna bet know his Twitter pretty well. But. I'm
2: gonna bet his first name is not classless. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah, that probably
1: makes sense. By yeah. the way, later on in the show, we we do have some excellent college basketball I coach names. I can't read any of them. <laughs> so I do. Yeah, actually, I should make John our John LaFollette, our producer, look up the pronunciations for those <laughs> names during one of these breaks. Um, anyway, the next jazz man to have their number retired. You kind of look at the, the history of the Jazz, and you've got kind of the Stockton, Malone, Hornacek years, and then you have the the Darren Williams, uh, Andre Kirilenko, Carlos Boozer, Memino Kerr years. But honestly, I don't know that any four of those guys are going to be, in the end, impactful enough to have their
2: jersey retired. No, especially not not with what they did here. Right. Uh, like, I guess maybe, maybe Kirilenko, if he gets into <sighs> the Basketball Hall of Fame because of the international play, then okay. maybe I could see a decision to do to like to jump on that money train. Um, <laughs> that is basketball and, Hall
1: of Fame, and you know I'm not sure that there should be another player wearing 47. Right. So like it's it's a pretty fungible number. Yeah.
2: But like that's the only one in that. Even he also feels only only like, made one All Star game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not a great selection, but I've seen, I don't I don't know. Miami has Dan Marino's jersey right. up in the. Uh, it's not even in the rafters; it's on a wall, really, in the back. Yeah, but you can't
1: wear his number, or
2: yeah. Well, no, I think you can wear his number. It's just they threw <laughs> his jersey up, up there. there, and and it's next to Michael Jordan.
1: See, there was a lot of anger earlier on in the season. I think before you moved here about the Garth Brooks banner, um, right. in, in Vivint Arena, <laughs> I heard but, like, about that. That the Jazz put up, or I guess Vivint Arena put up a banner celebrating that Garth Brooks did four sold out shows in a row, and like yeah. I think that kind of cheapens the rest of... Like, John it, Stockton's up there. It
2: definitely does. I mean... The and La- Garth
1: Brooks is, too. Like The Wah. Lakers, all right. of those
2: banners, Wah. all of those retired numbers, all that greatness, and they have a Taylor Swift banner right. up there now.
1: That's, and that's so... That was where they... I, I talked to the many jazz people about this because, quite frankly, I was furious.
2: Sure, and, as <laughs> as one would be.
1: And... They they all said well the Lakers did it with T Swift so I don't know that that's a with reason. North Brooks I'm like no that's 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 like if yeah we retired Dan Reno's jersey or yeah, something. Like, like does he
2: come back all that
1: often? No the, that's the thing is so the big reason why it sold out is because he hadn't been in Salt Lake for 20 years. Okay. So that's you know. Did
2: Rihanna sell out because I know she's coming to town? I presumably. Okay. Like Bieber came last right. year. You know what if they put a Rihanna banner out i I take back all the criticism of the Garth okay Brooks point? banner, yeah.
1: Yeah, just equal opportunity banner?
2: Yeah, like I think if you sell out a show, you should get, <laughs> you should a, banner. get a banner. Yeah.
1: I think that's fair. No, it, it was it's stupid. It's stupid that they put it up first of all next to the other things and then that they kept it on a back wall is still stupid. Yeah. I, it's it's the worst. I've made fun of them constantly for us. I anyway. So, given that Darren and Andre and those guys aren't making it, uh, who is the next jazz man to have their number retired?
2: I mean, all right, is it so someone from this core? So we're looking at someone from the. Are we assuming like there's not like a gray ghoster tag renaissance at some point? Right. Okay. <laughs> so all right, no gray ghoster tag renaissance. Um, yeah, like I guess I guess Gordon would be the most likely one.
1: So. Here's the thing. We talked about hit, you know, kind of where players' peaks are in the last segment. And we're like, you know, year five, year six or so. He's in year six and hasn't made an all star game. Right. And, you know, is, is I guess, kind of close, but probably will make one or two. Probably not a lot of them. Yeah. It's still a questionable all star case. That's why I actually say Rudy Gobert, like, you kind of see his game is such that.
2: See, I it, think it would be harder for him to make an all star game. Why is that? Because uh, we're kind of going away from. Like liking big men, okay. and so I just think that I think his like he's never going to get voted in, right? Unless like France really gets their stuff together, <laughs> and, we, and like we just go full on like right. uh, French Renaissance here. But I I think it's going like may I'm not saying he won't make any. I don't. I think it'd be hard for him to make an All Star game like more times than Gordon Hayward. Okay. I think Gordon has a especially as they get good. That stuff just kind of goes to, like, team leaders, guys who score a lot of points. Like, yeah. you know, like, maybe he becomes a Marcus Salt in the eyes of the coaches around the league. I just also think, like, you've got Cousins out there. You've got uh, Anthony Davis. You've got Blake Griffin. Like, you've got a lot of guys who are pretty young and are going to make a lot of all-star teams.
1: See, from, like, a coaching perspective, I think Rudy Gobert is a more unique challenge. Right. Compared to Gordon Hayward, right? No, like, I agree with that. And, and so maybe uh, you know if you imagine a future jazz team that's like a, a two, three, four seed in the west and they're they're very good i you know maybe rudy Gobert is your biggest defensive challenge to to solve coaches kind of realize that in kind of the same way they did with mark gasol and have him in the all-star game yeah
2: like i think if he's like a legitimate defensive player of the year right. candidate every year eventually that breaks through um Marcus all does I mean Marcus is a pretty high standard to get to. I'm I'm very big on Marcus, mm. I think you are as well. Uh like I guess if if Rudy is getting to the point where he's blocking, you know, three, four shots a game and averaging 12, 13 rebounds a game and he does that for a couple of years, then maybe he can start getting into that mix. And then what I, once you get, you know, a couple, as long as you're relatively young, then maybe you just start becoming that regular guy they yeah. put in there every year.
1: I I might say that it is most likely that none of the current Jazz men. What about Favors? Their... Again, you know, fifth 6th year player. Because uh, I think he
2: could, I think he could end up getting a lot more credit amongst the coaches than hmm. Gobert, as this yeah. team becomes very good.
1: I just I, I just see I guess Favors as a mostly finished product and sure. Gobert as a less than finished product.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, to me, favors took some pretty big leaps this year. Oh
1: yeah, I mean, you that's and that is kind of unfair to Derek for yeah. sure, based on how his game has improved yeah. in the last six months. If he
2: play, if he plays the Heat and Dwayne Wade every night, Chris Johnson clearly. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Johnson can. Think that's
1: a lo- that's a lock. Can have his. He wears twenty three, right? So right, it's perfect. Well,
2: all right, like Dante. I know it's very young and he's done almost nothing. Dante six per
1: guy, right? (laughs) So we're we're not talking about someone who's put up a lot of talent or put up a lot of production, but has talent and you could see he's very
2: young. He could be dynamic. uh, Yeah, he becomes a star in this league. Maybe three or four MVPs. That's you know, (laughs) I mean, there's a real case to be made for Exum. If Dante Exum. Gets three MVPs. I think he gets his, reti- yes. his number retired. If he get, yes, <laughs> if he does get the three MVPs, yeah,
1: I, it, it's hard. Um, I I also kind of said Gobert to trans to transition into this next question from at basketball musings. Why Gobert is freaking awesome? He wants us to talk about that. Um Very. I think first of all. He makes highlight plays all the time. I think that's why he's kind of the most interesting jazz player yeah. from an on the court perspective. Uh, you know, from blocks to steals to cool passes like we saw against Miami on yep. Saturday. Uh, I mean, a, a lot of kind of neat plays that get him on SportsCenter. So that that's one reason to be freaking awesome. Uh, I also think that it's it, and I hear this from jazz coaches a lot that he, he that he chooses to work at his craft despite being seven foot and having the wingspan and craziness. Uh, that he still works hard. He's not a Patrick O'Brien kind of guy, right? Um, he's, not Priest Lauderdale, right? He's, he's he's
2: he's not playing because he's tall,
1: right? He's someone who legitimately cares and and wants to get better and, right. and works hard at it. And I, you know, that's unique from someone with his unique
0: physical proportions.
2: Yeah there is a um in the in the intro video mm-hmm. assuming everyone's seen the intro video in the arena there's like a part where he's like a he's like a yeah, owl turns a into condor
1: wingspan think wingspan is it type in, of thing. i see i'm going for like falcon or eagle yeah maybe
2: it's a falcon um but like i'm a i'm really afraid of birds okay <laughs> um uh it's just uh they're evil they're they're evil creatures and okay. so I, I don't trust them so like there is part of me like when I see that in there and you see the long wingspan and he's holding the basketballs and like he becomes a bird. Where I'm like, whoa, like that guy, that guy's scary. Yeah. So I think that maybe, maybe other, maybe other people see that and they're like, kind of freaked out by him. And that's what makes him freaking awesome.
1: That's what makes him such a good rim protector. Is that people just associate they think he's him a bird, with a literal bird. Right. Exactly. Then,
2: <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I'm in. That that sounds good. Yeah. Another question from Basketball Musings. I think we've got a couple more from him later on in the show too. We've already answered three of his, but regardless, our takes—we're we're saying yes to everything. We yeah. have we have no choice in this matter.
2: You throw it out there, we'll answer. It.
1: Our takes on playoff beards and what the writer slash blogger equivalent of a playoff beard is.
2: All right. Well, I have a beard, but it's not a good one. Um, and so yeah, I have we to were talking to Quinn Snyder about this. Yeah. he,
1: he was—he couldn't—he didn't think he could even grow your level of beard.
2: Right. I even said, like, come on, you can do this. Like, this is <laughs> this is nothing. Man. And I keep it, you know, trim pretty pretty tightly just because if it if it gets like I can't get to a James Harden right beard right. I'm not uh Trey Kirby for those of you who watch the starters on NBA <laughs> TV like I can't do anything like that so I have to keep it kind of manicured um but I do appreciate those who can grow yeah. a beard like that so I'm all for playoff beards especially uh it, you, they used to do like um like the Pacers would shave their heads in the 90s and then you got like rick smith with a shaved head and mm-hmm. that was really like i wouldn't mind teams going back to that
1: yeah kind of weirdnesses yeah i i'm cool with that i you know maybe play off goggles Playoff we'll goggles would be cool i i think that could be i mean uh, so many bloggers already have beards that it doesn't right it doesn't work
2: yeah um i think like maybe uh i don't know maybe like grow out your hair yeah type of deal like no haircut type of playoff thing. See,
1: I think it I think it's got to be like a changing your Twitter background sort of thing mm, where you're okay. you're doing it in solidarity with your other twitter people out there in yeah. in a community but you're doing it you're changing it to like rainbows and lollipops.
2: Well, it's kind of like we uh when we found out that um that Donald Sterling's a huge racist. Well, most of us <laughs> knew this already, but uh like there like Everyone a lot of people found out that A lot of people Sterling went to like the the black background, the black uh, yeah. team logo kind of deal like in a solidarity of of getting Donald Sterling far away from the league. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I could see the avatar thing or the background thing really really going.
1: I like it. Let's let's start it. If if the Jazz make the playoffs this year, I'm doing something crazy. Yeah, I, I'm I'll I'll bring the monocle back. <laughs> bring the
2: monocle back. You know what? Maybe playoff monocles are the playoff way to go.
1: Monocles, yeah. Okay, everyone gets a monocle. Yeah, they're that's, fifty dollars. That's the they're fifty dollars
2: at Warby Parker. Uh, they'll donate a pair of glasses. Are they to prescription a, monocles? I'm sure you can get a prescription. I don't need it like my, my eyes are fine, so I don't need one i mean right. i I need one yeah. i mean uh, I need you, two, but I, I guess you would need
1: two i can I can monocles? squint right squint with one eye and monocle with the other. that's what they did in the olden days
2: <laughs> or they probably too, just got glasses
1: people were too poor for two lenses <laughs> they only could get one
2: <laughs> I think it's a great idea playoff
1: monocle <laughs> all right i I'm now accepting playoff monocle yeah. uh gifts in the mail yeah. Send them to the ESPN 700 studios. Really easy to do. we got to take a break. Next up, we're talking about NBA coaches' top 10 and imagining what if they were on the worst top bottom 10 teams because, I don't know, someone told us to. Someone asked. That's next
0: on the Salt City Hoop show, ESPN 700. Talking hoops and the association, this is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700.
1: All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoop Show. Andy Larson, Zach Harper with you. Uh, we're getting some debate in our Twitter notifications about whether or not birds are actually scary, like Zach says there are, they are. Sporadic Regularity says birds are modern day dinosaurs, so yeah, I can see why someone would be afraid of them. Correct. Meanwhile, at the Hype Jumper says the big ones are about as intimidating as a grapefruit, which I presume means not intimidating.
2: Okay, but if you had, like, if you had birds the size of wolves. We'd all be dead.
1: Yeah. No, they would. I mean, they'd be like incredibly powerful, like right. claw and creatures. And they fly and they and have
2: talons.
1: Yeah. If they wanted to, they could kill us And all. all they want to do is murder stuff. Imagine if they could like actually use tools like,
2: I don't know, bombs. <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. You're telling me they can't figure that out? I've seen 24. I know what yeah, can be done. It's, it's, it's happening. There's a movie called Zootopia yeah. where they're basically humans. So now you put birds in that role. If some bird sneaks into
1: a movie theater and sees how it's done, oh,
2: we can't. You have gotta high security. up the security. Security. Yes. I know. <laughs> I know. Straight out of Compton had a lot of security. Like Zootopia needs way more security.
1: <laughs> All right, our next question on today's crowdsource show comes from at Snark Tank Angie Treasure, KSL coworker of mine, uh, and I don't appreciate her asking her this, uh, asking us this, because this is a hard and weird question. <laughs> She's asking us to reshuffle the current NBA coaches, but so we're going to be pairing the best 10 coaches in the league with the worst 10 teams in the league by record, and then which ones are the best fit?
2: See, I like this because I, I like chaos, and this provides and this a lot of chaos. And this is very chaos. chaos. So yeah.
1: Greg Popovich is no longer the coach of the Spurs. He has to be the coach of one of the 76ers, the Lakers, the Nets, the Pelicans, the Wolves, the Phoenix Suns, Denver Nuggets, Milwaukee Bucks, Portland Trailblazers, Sacramento Kings. Where do you want to send Greg Popovich, Zach? You
2: know what? I want him coaching DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> I think he could harness the power of Cousins. I think you're right. And Cousins would then just destroy the rest of the league.
1: Yeah. If And if he can't, then DeMarcus Cousins should just retire because right, no yeah, one will if, be able yeah, to. Yeah,
2: if Pop can't make it work, then. Like how Jim they,
1: Rafferty should just retire because. He's because Pop couldn't, <laughs> make, it Pop couldn't yeah, make it work. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh yeah, we we will now unfortunately get just so much hate in in all of our tweets. And mentions, Don't worry, but. we'll
2: talk about the D League soon enough. Yes, soon.
1: All right. Uh, Rick Carlisle. Then I I kind of see. Let's let's alternate here. Sure. I like Rick Carlisle. I I just think he's so good. If you've got like good defenders and, and decent shooting, mm-hmm. um, which I think the Blazers are. Yeah, I like that. So you put Rick Car- Carlisle on the Blazers. I think he figures out a way to make them a playoff team. And that's nothing against Terry Sotts, who I think is a very good coach. I love Terry Sotts. But I think Rick Carlisle has shown that like he can make uh, some really, really good schemes out of some kind of, I guess, pieces that aren't necessarily stars.
2: Raymond Felton has been productive this year. That's yeah. how good Rick Carlisle is. All of their point guards have been. Yeah, it's... Which is odd because Rick Carlisle actually... Always has a horrible relationship with his point guards. <laughs> right, they... So giving him to Damian Lillard maybe is kind of cruel. That's true. All right, Mike Lillard might might deserve better. Yeah, Mike Buttonholzer. Mike Buttonholzer. Um, I I want to see Anthony Davis. Okay. With, with what Bud can do. What do you? How do you envision that going? Um, it's like everything that Paul Millsap does, except like way more alien. Okay. So I think like you'd have to clear out a lot of what they have, but you throw. A D out there with Ryan Anderson and go fill in the rest of the roster with guys that Mike Boonholzer, you know, knows how to coach and knows how to make productive. I think that they would just dominate the Western Conference in two years. Yeah. Okay. I want Frank
1: Vogel on the Suns. Oh, I like that. Okay. Cause yeah. I, I mean, kind of aren't like a good version of the Suns, kind of trying what the Pacers are trying to be ba- with like yeah, the four out. sort lot of thing.
2: similarities. Like you could make a similarity between Monte Ellis, George Hill pairing and yeah. Brandon Knight, Eric Bledsoe, in terms of just how they're used.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's kind of, I think it's a good fit. I think it'd be entertaining. I think Vogel would do a great job there. I'm I'm in.
2: All right. Brad Stevens. I've seen Brad Stevens. I, here's how to describe what he's doing with the, the Celtics this year. It's like watching an Ocean's Eleven movie, but everybody's Scott Kahn. <laughs> so, like, they're pulling off these heists with 11 Scott Cons. So, here's what. We're, so, you take Brad Stevens' genius and you give him Andrew Wiggins and you give him Carl Anthony Towns and all the other young guys he can help mold. And you just watch him develop these guys. Because he's like doing it with like Kelly Olenek and Jared Soldier, who right. aren't any good. Right. So, now give him Carl Anthony Towns and see what happens.
1: Amazing things. Yes.
2: Like, mind blowing
1: things. Eric Spolstra, by the uh, and on the other end of the spectrum, I'm sending to the 76ers because they don't have any talent, and I'm just I want to see like he's had the most talent. Now, right. what happens when he's sent to the least talent?
2: I like that. Um, Steve Kerr would be next. Let's give him. Uh, These coaches aren't in any order, by the way. I just no. threw them out there. Let's give him the Bucks. Okay, I want to see what he can do with Giannis. Giannis, yeah, Jabari Parker, fun. Chris Middleton, they've got like kind of the pace and space switch everything on defense kind of ideals. I,
1: I mean they have no shooting, right? So it would be the opposite of what they have in Golden State, but
2: Yeah, it's just Chris Middleton. Right. Like that's it. But he can go Maybe get some guys. Maybe they make something work.
1: Yeah. All right, Quinn Snyder, uh, I put him in the top 10 cuz I don't know in case they're listening and want to give me like trade rumors later. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I I think he's a good coach. I think he's though. a very
2: good coach. Uh
1: I'm sending him unfortunately to the the Denver Nuggets. Oh which Yeah, that's not exciting uh, no it's not exciting but we only have three teams left yeah all right uh I, I, he'd be i think he likes danilo gallinari and so they get to be on the same team sure next
2: up doc rivers gets to stay in the same city he's going to the lakers just yeah. because the Lakers fans have been crushing Doc Rivers since he took over the Clippers, now I want to see what they say about him.
1: And, and that puts Stan Van Gundy with the Nets.
2: Oh, I like Stan too. That's, <laughs> oh, we should we got to redo this.
1: Stan is a great guy. Yeah. Unfortunately, we'll be coaching the Nets
2: as they but Van suck Gundy, for the next five years. Van Gundy, Prokhorov, buddy cop okay situation that could be that has some promise that's that's the next zach harper produced movie oh my god i'm all, i've already written <laughs> half of it by the way we're gonna talk about Prok-
1: Prok- prokhorov's quotes later today because they are he's amazing they are uh i i don't know he doesn't know what he's talking about He he's a caricature of himself at this yes point, it's <laughs> incredible all right we got to take a break on the other side more of your guys's questions that's next on the salt city hoop show you're listening to it on espn 700
0: Analytics and opinions on the jazz and the rest of the NBA. This is Salt City Hoops on ESPN 700.
1: All right, welcome in to the Salt City Hoops show on ESPN 700. I realize now that our intros, now I am the analytics guy and you're the opinions guy.
2: I am the opinion. Yeah. When I started writing and I made uh, horrible business cards for myself. Uh, I put professional opinionist on <laughs> okay. there. So, like, yeah, I feel like I, I feel comfortable as the opinions. Not blog assist. Not blog assist, no. That, who that, said blog assist again? I think it was Dan Gilbert, who yeah, blocked right. me on Twitter. Really? Yeah. What, I mean, this was during the lockout. That? I mean, I was being pretty rude. Uh, <laughs> so I don't think it was unwarranted. But, uh, yeah, I'm still blocked.
1: Okay. I, I like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Andy Larson, Zach Harper, taking your request today. It's an all-request Tuesday on ESPN 700. Um Basically, I, I tweeted out yesterday, here's what uh, what do you guys want us to talk about, and you guys said all sorts of random things, and so we're talking about all sorts of we those random all. things, from from spreadsheets to what we're going to be talking about now, Dante Exum. Uh, we've got three, four different Dante Exum questions, um, which is pretty incredible, given that the guy hasn't played all year, right? right? And like, no one's seen him. Nothing has changed with regards to
2: Dante Exum over the last three months. He's still... I saw him in the hallway. Um... Before last game or the game before, talking to Joe Ingles, which I don't know if they're if he's like required to follow Joe around. <laughs> yes, but that's... Uh, but I I only see them together. My theory is that
1: Joe Ingles is required to follow Dante Exum around. Oh, like that's why, like bodyguard.
2: Yeah, who just kind of gets to play.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> who ends up playing more minutes? Right, but. Yeah, no, I th- I think that's why Joe Ingalls was signed in the first place, right? You know, Dante Exum was was the no brainer pick, but now you need an Australian bodyguard to keep like poor little nineteen year old skinny Dante Exum safe. Exactly, yeah. So, like once
2: he puts on some some muscle, then you feel then good about him Joe roaming. English. Right. Then you then you feel good about him like roaming the streets of Salt Lake City.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, the, the dangerous. <laughs> yeah, the dangerous streets of Salt Lake. Uh, well, I mean, now you've answered Adam Jack's first question at. Atomics Rex talk about how Exum is doing. Well, he's walking around the halls of of uh, Vivint Arena. I and didn't see a limp. The Zion's Basketball Bank Basketball Center. Like I am, I'm always shocked. And honestly, I haven't seen him limp for like two months. Yeah. So. I I want him to just get out on the court, like, tomorrow, you know? Like, you're not limping, play basketball. What's wrong with um, that? And then that's just not how it works. Yeah,
2: I've had a serious knee injury before, and I I stopped limping, you know, after a couple of months, but nowhere near a basketball court for quite a while.
1: And, well, and I've seen him, like, at practice kind of doing dribble drills and that sort of thing. So they're having him do that, and he's taking, like, kind of standing free throws, basically. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, there's still a long ways to go. Dante Exum has been told that he's not returning at all this season, so that
2: you know, I think it's Start like, getting
1: excited, I, and
2: I get the um, the push of like, all right, well, maybe he's healthy, maybe he's doing okay, and the Jazz are really good; they could use an extra push. There is a long term projection here that the Jazz are much more concerned with. And I actually, I think that's smart. I was, I was very weary of when the Pacers brought Paul George back for mm-hmm. six games last year. It obviously, ended up. an okay move because he didn't get hurt and he's really good but um but i do think like there it's okay to be too cautious in that do do you think it
1: ended up giving paul george any extra confidence or anything going into this
2: i think it probably did because you get over the you get over the worry about coming back and getting hurt again and, and stuff like that and while he didn't play a lot i do think that does help mentally
1: see and i think for dante xm that period will be in the olympics right Right, so you don't have to do that in NBA game time. You can do that with, in the Olympics with the Australian National yeah.
2: Team. Yeah, and I think I think as long as you get them in some kind of competitive environment before they get back there, yeah. you're probably okay.
1: And, and, you know, probably playing the best players in the world anyway. You know, you're, you're yeah. going to be seeing the U.S. national team or, or France or whoever you end up playing, Germany, well, you'll probably end up playing NBA-level players anyway, so it's right, not exactly. like really a, a big jump up. Yeah. Um, Shout out to
2: Atomic or Adam Jack as well, because he tweeted me and said, Golden Eagles hunt deer and goats. They're called Raptors for a reason. So he's agreeing with me on this dangerous thing. That they're scary. Thing. Yeah. Okay.
1: I, I mean, good for him. <laughs> Thanks, Adam. Uh, next Dante Exum question. Haven't asked for Zach's opinion on Dante Exum ceiling. How good do you guys think Exum can
2: eventually be? Yeah, it, It's tough for me to kind of project that just because I don't know what kind of an offensive player he's going to be. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's actually a point guard, if he's an off guard, or he's, you know combo guard type or um or what he can actually do with the basketball in his hands i love his potential defensively yeah i I, I think he could be a special uh, defender
1: i think he's already been a very good defensive point guard just from what we saw last year yeah as a rookie as a super skinny non-strong rookie like i like his
2: his attitude too because i was talking to him at the all-star weekend in Mm -hmm. new york and uh we were at some i don't know adidas thing i was in i was trying to I was trying to like carefully and respectfully say, like, hey, you came out of nowhere. Where, like, and all of a sudden you're this b- really big deal in the NBA draft. I said, well, you didn't really come out of nowhere. He's, he's like, no, it's okay. I came out of nowhere. You can say <laughs> it. Like, I like that, you know, kind of self deprecating, like, yeah. very real about it. So I think that you can take an attitude like his, you can take a work ethic like his, and as long as he stays healthy, I think you can project pretty high things for him. I mean, I, I think he definitely projects to be a starter, which sounds, um, Maybe very basic to people, but not everyone in this league projects to be a starter, no. even as a, a talented prospect.
1: No, and that's nice to see. I, I, I think it, from what I've seen of Dante Exum, and you know, that's basically his games last year. I think he absolutely is a point guard uh, in yeah. terms of that. You know, every time he approached the paint last year, he was looking to pass rather than finish, to the frustration of a lot of Jazz fans who were told about this, like. Kind of almost Russell Westbrook esque, like right. speed and finishing machine, um, and and it just wasn't that. Instead, he was a passing and defense guy. He was he was like a Howell Netto, <laughs> right? right? Like in terms of production, and it's. So I I think it makes sense that long term he's a point guard. I think long term he can be a very good point guard. I agree. Like the offense is a big question there, but if you're that good defensively, then you're you're a starter on a on a good level team, kind of almost no matter what.
2: Right, and like maybe like even even if he ends up being a bigger Ricky Rubio, where the shot doesn't come around and you you question some of the scoring, but uh, obviously not the passer Ricky Rubio is, but he can be kind of in that mold of player of like set up the offense, be a terror on defense. If you get a bigger version of that with probably a better jumper because that doesn't take a whole lot, like, right. that's a really good player. Yeah, That's a really good player for this Jazz organization to have. So I I'm, I don't know. I'm very high on him. I like his attitude. I like the work ethic. I like everything I've heard about him. Obviously, I have to see more on the court, but um, the little I've seen I like.
1: Joseph Horner asks, uh, would love opinions on if Exum's timetable really matches up with the rest of the Jazz or if they need to speed things up.
2: That's tough. Um
1: yeah, I mean you're kinda looking at like so sure, last year was Dante Exum's rookie season and you know, again, like a, a seven P E R kind of guy. Yeah. Uh but you kinda he is able to do some skill development things during this year. But yeah, I mean you're looking at kind of year two of, of Dante Exum as Gordon Hayward's in his seventh year and Derek Favors is in his seventh year and, and Alec Burks is in his sixth year and, and you know, these these other guys are kind of peaking right as
2: the Jazz really need Dante
1: Axum to be a kind of a good starter right away.
2: Quite frankly, right? Sure, yeah. To some degree, I also think that this builds up um, better sustainability. Yeah, to have that kind of staggered, and that, like that's almost kind of the goal. Like you don't want five guys in the same draft, you know, to all build together. Like that can create problems one from a cap situation, mm-hmm. and two, um, it's difficult to manage that. Whereas if you put him around guys like Favors and Hayward, uh, and even an improving Gobert. There's less pressure on him to get it right immediately, and there's there's more of a, a cushion in what he can learn, and and you get a better perspective on the guys around him teaching him. Yeah. So I actually think it, it works out better that he's, you know, further behind than than got, you know their peers and their their contemporaries because. This builds much better sustainability for the the long term projection of the team.
1: That's a good point. You know, like looking at the Blazers, for example. Like even if Lamarcus Aldridge leaves, you still have Damian Lillard. Right. If even if Gordon Hayward, Derek Favors leave, you still have Dante Axum and Rudy Gobert. Right. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I I can totally see where you're coming from there. I do think that it delays the timetable in terms of like contention success for this team. Sure. Right? Like yeah,
2: the they're... knee injury is not ideal, and that that delays things even further. Um, but with with what he can do, uh, I think that you can get him up to speed. By the time that team becomes really good, and he actually ends up pushing them over, yeah, you know, over the hump.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you kind of look at, like, the, what, 08 Boston Celtics where you have rookie or second-year Rajon Rondo right. and then great players around him. You know, they great player, or Tony Parker with the Spurs in, yeah. in the early days. I mean, same kind of thing. If you have good enough players on the rest of the roster, you can have a talented rookie point guard kind of grow with that group. Exactly. And it's it's obviously not the worst thing in the world. You, yeah. can, you, can, you can win a championship that way. Now, obviously, Hayward favors Gobert are not... Tim Duncan are not Kevin Garnett, but are still good players that could bring Exum along in that sort exactly. of way. Uh, do the Jazz spend another year with the same core next year? Since the Alec Burks and Dante Exum injury kind of put a question mark into certain things this year, what do we upgrade? This question from at Casey Greer to? I
2: don't get the I don't get the sense from this organization that they're in a rush to make huge splashes. No. Um, so yeah, the opposite. I, I yeah, I think you get. You know, you could maybe argue at some point they may be too careful, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know, you know, have too much of a plan and, and not really adjust to it. But if they believe in the plan and you can see that that plan is is something where you know you can actually see a light at the end of the tunnel in that respect, um, yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's that big of a deal to have them spend another year with the same core.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, and that's the thing is you know maybe you. Add someone to the core. You know, you're probably looking at getting a late teen sort of pick. So you're probably getting that in your core. Sure. Uh, and or maybe you make a trade for a young player to, to add to that core. But ultimately, I don't think there are going to be any takeaways from that core. You know, yeah, I, I don't I, think they're trading Alec Burks. I don't think they're, you know, looking to trade like Dante Exum or any, any, anything like that. sort of Right.
2: Thing. Yeah. I think that I think if a trade presented itself where they were like, well, all right, we're shaking up the core. But this is going to this is going to help us build over the next five years Mm. i think they would take that but at the same time like i don't i don't know that guy's out there
1: yeah no i that's the thing is like you kind of need someone who makes sense long term not just short term
2: and we're never going to have a like we've never had an off season like this coming up where everybody has cap room everything's changing the financial landscape is is changing in such dramatic ways that i think having a conservative approach to that off season is actually pretty smart because you get to see the mistakes of the other of the other teams yeah and and
1: there aren't that many great free agents out there anyway yeah, you know like so once
2: kevin durant decides to resign and once al horford decides what he's going to do like it, there's a pretty big drop off right and, and you're not going to go get rajon rondo right
1: so there are, yeah there are 27 teams who could conceivably have a max next season yeah and you know five fish players that probably like, deserve it like maybe you go after
2: uh nick Batum, mike conley yeah like if you could go get mike conley i think you do that but you know, this isn't exactly a free agency right, right destination. So why,
1: how, how are you convincing Mike Conley to sign here? Right, like why are you? How are you? Besides getting, kidnapping him, exactly. Which, <laughs> now that you that's know, on the table, not a bad
2: <laughs> plan. Um, I've seen worse. Uh, I've seen, I mean, I actually think that was David Kahn's ideal situation with a lot of free agents when it came to Minnesota Timberwolves was kidnapping. Was just to kidnap. him. Just to him. kidnap wow. him. Yeah. Well, um, that's <laughs> so I guess you know, fingers crossed that could work. Seems good, but uh, yeah, like, how are you convincing Mike Conley that like, no, 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 you should leave Marcus in Memphis to come here? Right. But, you know, that's a that's a tough sell.
1: And, I mean, you can say sure, age, right? You know,
2: yeah. Where it's it, not that this would be a bad decision. It's is it such a good decision it, for Mike Conley that he's going to give up what he has there or at a maybe a bigger contender?
1: And in particular, yeah, is it the best decision he can right. make? Right. Like it, it's. I could see the Jazz being in Mike Conley's like top seven yeah. choices, but top one probably not.
2: That's that's a hard sell. Yeah. And then uh, outside, of, like, are you gonna throw twenty five million dollars a year at Demar Derozan? No, I wouldn't.
1: No, he, no.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a nice player, but yeah. that's not changing this franchise.
1: No, and and it's not. He, I don't think that fits into Quinn Snyder's system, yeah. especially well. So, yeah, I mean, and Quinn Snyder, by the way, loves Mike Conley. Like, loves, loves, loves Mike Conley. Oh, but not? it's He's just whether or not He's Mike really Conley would Does he love, love, here. love
2: Quinn Snyder? Right. Enough. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> and maybe, maybe Quinn Snyder's playing the long, the long game with with saying nice things about Mike Conley in the press. Yeah, to... if Quinn
2: Snyder's not willing to grow a beard, Mike Conley has a beard.
1: A bearded people have to stick together? Is that is that I your point?
2: Generally, what happens. So, Mike Conley will sign
1: here if Quinn Snyder grows a beard. Quinn's
2: got to get on this beard thing. Or Playoff Monocle. Or (laughs) Monocle. Just
1: do something. Yeah. Uh, This kind of brings me actually into the next two requests from people, which is crazy trade ideas. Everyone loves the crazy trade idea of the week segment that we occasionally do on the show. That's from at Team Munson 1985, real name Travis. Um, Or at least nickname Travis. (laughs) Maybe nickname. (laughs) And uh, at Chris, again, at Squared K2, both asking for trade ideas I think it kind of makes much more sense if you are looking at some way to add or improve or change the score to make it in a trade rather than from a from a free agent signing
2: point of view. Right. Yeah. Uh, That's generally what the small market teams do is they have to go get trades.
1: Especially because the Jazz have cap space right now that they can use. Whereas you know, right in the summer, everyone will have cap space. Right. Right now, the Jazz having cap space is is while not rare, at least some teams do. You know. Yeah. So. Uh, two trade ideas, then. Well, we're we're making the fans happy. One is this Joffrey Laverne idea that I got from jazzfans.com. It's a jazz message board. Okay. Um, I kind of like it. Like, I liked,
2: I, one, he looks a lot like a Plumley brother, and I'm okay. really trying to get this Kilometers plumley nickname to to stick with it. For Joffrey Laverne. For Joffrey Laverne. Kilometers Plumley, kilometers so pl- miles Plumley. Yeah, he's French. Kilometers. So Plumlee. kilometers Plumley. I love it. And if he is in the city, I feel like I have a better chance of making that work. So
1: he just turned twenty-four years old. Yeah. And I agree. If and like I've made jingles work. Yeah. I I, I didn't come up with jingles like
2: you came up with kilometers. You said Plumlee. it to Quinn the other day, and he he knew it right yeah. away. Yeah. He
1: made fun of me for that once, <laughs> <laughs> and then I've I've felt like I have full reign to use it from here on out. I'm a little bit afraid to actually like use it in front of jingles
2: himself but but. all right you talk to rudy locker next to to jingles yeah i I would just uh, see if if he notices it and maybe he's maybe he jumps on board i
1: i think he would i i mean i've a fun guy i'm pretty sure i've referred to jingles as jingles in front of like rudy and gordon and and those guys and they're like yeah they, they know yeah and honestly joe ingles gives them enough crap that like Any kind of weird nickname? I swear I've never
2: seen a teammate talk more trash to (laughs) to his teammates in pre pre pregame warmups, especially for like
1: for like a eleventh man on the roster. Right, and it's like right, and it's everybody. Everybody is in his sights (laughs) at all times. Um. Anyway, so I like kilometers plumbly for Joffrey Laverne, but he's also only 24 years old. He's a, he's a shooting big, which the Jazz don't yeah. have at all. And it's, it's something that I know that Quinn Snyder and, and, Dennis Lindsay and the, the staff would like is someone who can shoot from the outside. He's kind of been surplus to requirements so far in, in Denver. Um, as Nurkic has come back, he's had a few did not play coaches decisions. Um, he's played under, uh, He's okay. So in the last five games, he's had two DMP CDs, and then has played a combined uh, thirty minutes in the other three games. So mm-hmm. not not a big factor yeah, overall. Yeah, they've got
2: Jokic, they've got um, Nurkic, they've got mm-hmm. Kenneth Farid, Daryl Arthur. Like they're they're crowded up there.
1: Yeah. So he's someone who's potentially go-gettable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I kind of put out there what 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 would you trade him for? What does that trade kind of look like? And smooth hoops, um, Justin Fodry. Responded to me on Twitter and said, "How about the the Oklahoma City first round pick that the Jazz got in the Ennis Cantor deal last year for Joffrey Laverne? I I think that's not a bad trade, right? Like I think
2: Laverne's really good.
1: I think he is too. You you look at what he did in France next to Rudy Gobert mm-hmm. it, this summer. Uh, I I think that those two players can even play together, which yeah. is that's kind of the question, right? Because he's played most of his minutes at center. Right. So if you're getting a backup for Rudy Gobert." Meh, right? You probably don't spend a first-round pick on him. But if you can play someone next to Rudy Gobert, as like a, someone who could maybe develop into a third big, then yeah, that's that's probably worth that that asset expenditure.
2: Yeah, and if he can play next to Gobert, you know he can play next to Favors. He's actually the type of big man you would like Trey Lyles to become. Yeah, you know, in you know in theory. So I think that I think it's a great fit, and I don't think that OKC first-round pick is is giving up too much.
1: No, I mean that's that's the kind of pick that it can turn into two second round right. picks down the road. Probably won't, probably will end up being a, a late first round pick, but um yeah, you're it's protected so you're not giving up anything with a lot of upside. Uh and I think Joffrey Laverne has probably more upside than the kind of players that you'd expect to get yeah. out of out of that pick. So I like that deal. I I don't know. Justin Fodry, like I said, writes for the, the Denver um TrueHoot blog, so mm-hmm. he, I feel like he can represent Nuggets fans' wishes. I think we. And I think, think we made a trade. <laughs> I think the trade's done. Well, I, I'm submitting it to we'll call the league the office yeah. right now. We we can make this done out. deal. Can you can you sound convincingly like someone in the Nuggets front office? I can do a Dennis Lindsay impersonation. I mean, I could make my
2: my voice a lot deeper. Okay, like I I could sound you more sound gr- I could sound more grown up than I do. Perfect. Yeah, we're in. All right. Uh, <laughs> now that we've gotten
1: one deal done... Let's do another one. second one, this one's from Real GM, everyone's favorite basketball message board. Um, Kings, this is a deal between the Jazz and the Kings where the Kings would acquire Alec Burks and one of Trey Berker, Howell Netto, and the Jazz would get Darren Collison and uh, Ben
2: McLemore. Ooh, this is intriguing. Um, all right, I... Full disclosure, like I thought Ben McLemore was going to be amazing coming out of out of Kansas, and I think that time has passed. Yeah, I'm willing to I'm willing to sell on that, but he could be a very good rotation player. Here's what I've been told about Ben McLemore: he can't dribble, shoot, or pass. Those are typically things you would like a shooting <laughs> guard to be able to do, at least one of them.
1: And, and we're in we're in year three of of the Ben McLemore experience, and um... here's here's where I would be
2: cautiously optimistic about him. Okay. That Kings organization is a mess. That's true. And so, trying to find some consistency when you're not a great player, um, in that in that environment, I think is pretty tough. And so, you bring them to a much more structured environment that actually cares about player development. Uh, I think you could maybe see some some a big jump. Now, I don't know if it's a big enough jump to. Say like, hey, this guy's someone you want for the next ten years. Right. But I think you you could get enough of a jump to figure out if he can actually play. And getting Darren Collison, like I think Darren Collison would be pretty good in the system.
1: I do too. Um, have you have has anyone gone out of the King system and like done really well? I'm trying to think. Is there
2: no? Because they keep drafting terrible players. Like yeah, Nick that... <laughs> Stauskas, Jason Thompson. Uh, right. Right. Um, they keep getting really bad players, and so there's not like this. All right, now they're free. Now they can go because be they're great just kind of bad. Yeah, because they're just targeting bad players. But which you is don't a weird think
1: direction. Ben Mclemore is that? You think he's like he can be? I average. think he's
2: salvageable. Okay. Yeah.
1: And you're right that Darren Collison is absolutely the prize of this deal for the Jazz. You yeah. know, as as a good point guard, someone who would absolutely add wins now, probably next season could. And then his contract runs out after the 2016-17 season. So it's kind of perfect to have, like, yeah. Dante Exum ascend into right. the starting role. And, and, and you can play them, like, main Darren Collison
2: role. is someone who plays very well next to other point guards. Yeah, that's so a good point.
1: You can I haven't consider work. that. So, yeah, I mean, heck, we're seeing Trey Burke Howell Neto minutes right now. Which is... Which is weird. Not ideal, <laughs> also. Right. So Darren Collison next to someone minutes would be good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I like Darren Collison. I think I like Darren Collison more than Jazz Management does, honestly. In like yeah. my conversations about them about Darren Collison, um, he's twenty eight. Uh,
2: like so, ideally, you'd want him as a backup point guard, right? Right. Right. So him as a starter is not great. But if Exum comes back healthy and he's able to be the guy that people want Exum to be, then you're that's what pretty much what you're talking.
1: So about. is that package worth giving up Alec Burks for? I don't know.
2: That sounds like a lot. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a lot for cost controlled
1: for the next four years, rather than yeah, just call since two,
2: and especially like with this rising cap, that cost control is pretty spectacular. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like we don't actually know that Ben McElmore is any good. Like he could just be the shooting guard version of Thomas Robinson, like right, not actually a guy who who should be getting minutes.
1: Yeah, to me, the Burke Neto part of this deal is not that important. I I don't think either of those guys. Yeah, are I think like that's kind of a wash. value, um, but. Yeah, I think Alec Burks is probably the best asset in this deal. Yeah. Then Darren Collison, then, Mac, it then McLemore. It is the Kings.
2: You could probably get a first out of this. Uh, okay. Yeah. So Burks
1: and Burke plus Burks and Burke for Collison, McLemore, and a first. I think the That's Kings
2: a, first. It, you may even get two out of them. I mean, you never know what, what Vladdy's going to do. I love it. Yeah. Let's, let's just call We'll Vlade. call this one in as well. I know Vladi pretty decently. You do? We have, well, yeah. The, I, we, have, we have mutual and friends. And even you
1: say that he's... We you have, never know what he's going to do. You never know what he's going to do. Okay. We do have one more question from Joseph Forner. Would the Jazz take a shot at Baron Davis and then maybe Ronnie Brewer after that?
2: Is it 2007? <laughs> it is. If it's not, I'm going to say no. <laughs> They're
1: probably not going to say Baron no.
2: Davis and I are in the same shape. So... I'm, but
1: he's playing in the D-League. Right. Well, he's, quite, he's going to play. He's, he's quite a bit better than I am. Rumored to be signing a D-League contract yeah, um, is actually where we are in this. Right.
2: Uh, yeah, but Baron and I, I'm pretty sure, are in the same amount of shit. <laughs> so that's that's everything you need to know about Baron Davis at 36 years old.
1: The fall of Ronnie Brewer still makes me sad um, because he was— The like, one that broke his arm that messed up his jumper or
2: just the fall of his career?
1: The fall of his career. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, his childhood <laughs> dreams <laughs> being shattered, that's a bummer. But, yeah. like, that, he was such a good jazz player and then got traded and just didn't fit at all. And, in fact, I, like, that second year he showed so much promise and then didn't improve at all. You know, maybe you see him becoming – but the league evolved too much
2: for him to, like, I mean, play. If, if we're bringing back old guys who probably shouldn't be in the league anymore, mm-hmm. like – Matt Harper have eligibility? He can knock down a jumper. He's in the building. It would get him off the the play by play. Is that nice to say? I don't,
1: I don't know if we're we probably to say can't that. say that. Let's go ahead let's go ahead and take a break. On the next segment, we're gonna go around the NBA. Talking about some front office changes that's going on around the league right now, and notably not talking about play by play personnel. That's next on the South City Hoops show on ESPN seven hundred.
0: You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700.
1: All right, welcome back into the Salt City Hoops show, ESPN 700. Andy Larson, Zach Harper with you. Uh, because we can't say no to any question, and because the L.A. Rams just moved, well, the St. Louis Rams just moved to L.A., uh, we were asked, what's the next NBA team to move by our producer, John LaFollette. Um We came up with New Orleans and Charlotte.
2: Yeah, that seems like the only teams that would be likely to move.
1: But if, I I still you know, if anything I think it's an expansion situation to Seattle rather than a moving
2: situation. Um yeah, like that probably makes more sense of expanding the league and and turning that into much more of a deeper conversation of like trying to get more revenue right for the league and and everything or you know, Prokhorov he's kind of Kind of all over the place right now. He, so could, he could move. <laughs> I could see him just saying, you know, let's go to Seattle. We we spent a lot of money and time with this whole Brooklyn thing. But
1: and really, it's been, what, two years on the new that, arena?
2: That place is a mausoleum. That place is dead. So I go there next week, right? For, it's a beautiful arena. It's really cool. But no one goes. Nobody will be there.
1: So, yeah, I mean, I looked up tickets on StubHub, and they are $10 right now. Yeah. Which is, I mean, for a, a New York City event is pretty pretty it's pretty cheap. incredible yeah you can't even get pizza like for $10. nick yeah for nick's tickets it's it's yeah. a minimum forty dollars right. so and even that is go, go try to get a, a beer in brooklyn and jazz. see if
2: you can get it for under ten dollars okay
1: that's that actually will be like a fun <laughs> segment i'll do like a, a video podcast of there you go. beer for ten dollars or or uh ticket for ten dollars and we'll we'll find out if i can find a cheaper ticket or brooklyn nets ticket beer ticket that's not a thing anyway <laughs> <laughs> Let's go around the NBA like we do every time. Every uh, every time around this segment, I don't know what every week around this time that makes on a way weekly more basis. Size. On a weekly basis, we go we around, go the, around NBA. the NBA. Uh, let's start with some sad news about Andrew Smith, the former Butler player, uh, played with Gordon Hayward at Butler, played with obviously under Brad Stevens, who's now the coach of the Boston Celtics. Let's go ahead and play a little bit of Brad Stevens' press conference today when uh, he was asked about the news.
0: Yeah, the last week's been tough. Um, you know, I, I was happy that I got a chance to say goodbye. Um, and this is really about, you know, when you when you coach somebody, I mean, you get a lot more out of coaching them than they do from you. So that's that. I mean, I, I don't know. I could go on and on, and it wouldn't do him justice. So um, he was special. He was tough. Set a great example.
1: Obviously, that's tough. Yeah, but, uh, super tough. I mean, clearly affected by his player. I mean, uh,
2: he, he. I mean, he. He's, he skipped a game recently to right. You know, to to go. You know, I guess payers say, say goodbye. Essentially, yeah. I mean, yeah. just awful situation. Uh,
1: yeah. I I I think it's cool that there is that connection between a coach and a player. Yeah. You know, Andrew Smith was was a good player certainly for Butler was was an important player, but um. For the, like what Brad Stevens said about him teaching him more than Brad taught Andrew was 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 I thought really
2: meaningful. Yeah, very touching.
1: Moving on to like player and GM and coaching moves though, um, more I guess semi upbeat moves news, which is people not dying but instead just being fired. Uh, Nets were fired. Nets fired Lionel Hollins and Billy King this weekend. Uh, though I guess Billy King will help find the next general manager, Allegedly. which I think is is such a funny role, right? Like we just fired you, but you should help us find the next dude.
2: This is a uh, this is sort of Lawrence Frankish in the way that they're like reassigning him to. <laughs> like, does he get that same cubicle in the basement where Lawrence Frank was pumping yes. out all his reports? <laughs> like, is that
1: what, is that what we're doing now? Um that was one of my favorite short-lived blogs by the way. Oh, was so There's good. The the Lawrence Franks reports from his basement blo- dot blogspot.com.
2: That was so, that was so good. Um Yeah, I I don't know. Like I I don't think that this is a wrong move. No, it, I I think both of those spots can clearly be upgraded. Yeah.
1: However, whoever does get that job is in in a bind for the next three to four years. Like, there's just nothing you can do because all the draft
2: picks have, uh, have been traded. I actually think... Uh, here's my idea. Okay. Um, now, some people will laugh at this because Brian Colangelo is involved, but I think you need the coach and GM to be on the same page. Like, Brian Colangelo, Mike D'Antoni. Okay. Go put them in Brooklyn with the understanding, like, hey, this is going to take a little while. Like, kind of like when, when D'Antoni was supposed to take over the, the Knicks, and, and as they were gutting the team to... Great cap space to go get LeBron, right. which clearly worked. Um, <laughs> but you need an identity, and you need something that excites players to want to be there, mm. and raising your shooting percentage and earning a bunch of money because you, you can finally like be a good offensive. Like, I think that's the only way to make this team a viable destination in some way over the next three years.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think, I, I mean, so they're going to try to do it, by the way, by trying to sign John Calipari. Um, oh, my God. For And his asking price is allegedly 10 years, $120 million. And quite frankly, he's probably going to get it from one of Sacramento or the Brooklyn Nets. Um, and I could see, like, Calipari's recruitment kind of strategy working on former Kentucky guys. Uh, see, I don't. I could see it working on, like—you don't see it working on, like, DeMarcus?
2: No. Well, I mean, I guess, like, if at that point DeMarcus Cousins is— well, I guess if he takes over the Kings then you get DeMarcus to Marcus Cousins' stay. That's, yes. <laughs> but um but here like, I think to say, Give me five months, I will put you into my pro factory and we're gonna make you a first round pick, or we're gonna up your draft status or whatever. Mm. I think it's another thing to say, like, hey, trust me for the next four years. And we're not gonna be very good. And we're not gonna be very good. And by the way, like I was a terrible coach when I was here twenty years ago. Yeah. Um like I just th- like I don't think I don't think leaving college unless there are major sanctions and violations that get uncovered and that kick him out of kentucky
1: see and i i think a maybe those sanctions and violations have already occurred and so like i would guess they have occurred but um and if he can get a 10 million 10 year 120 million dollar parachute out on the way out like more more power to him kind of in like a pete carroll sort of way in the nfl
2: yeah like unless unless those sanctions are you know about to like Drop in the next couple of years, and he can see that coming in the future. Why wouldn't Kentucky give him the same deal?
1: Yeah, I I don't know how much money. I mean, he makes a lot. Like he makes a lot, but how much money does Kentucky make off of college basketball? I have no idea. I'm
2: assuming their boosters are doing pretty well.
1: Yeah, so I think (laughs) you can make it work. Yeah, no, it's that's a good point. Like he doesn't have a great reason to leave because he's already at you know the the top program. I think it's fair to say over the last you
2: know what. Five, ten years. Yeah. And I just um, I just think it's mu- it's much easier to convince a guy to come there for a few months and become a pro yeah. rather than be a, a championship level player for four years.
1: I did like what Mikhail Porkorov had to say, and by like I mean I laughed at. Right. He said today in a a press conference, I'm sure next season will be, I hope, a championship contender. Actually, he didn't say the uh, because he's not very (laughs) good at English. So, I'm sure next season will be, I hope, championship contender. Uh, Frankly speaking, I deserve a championship now much more than six years ago. I think we have been really bold, and we did our best in order to reach a championship. And I still believe with some luck, our results might have been more promising, but I'll do my best to make us a championship
2: team. You know, um, I'm not a good business person like i would be a terrible business owner mm-hmm. i wouldn't say that me being a bold terrible business owner <laughs> would mean that i deserve success
1: like look we we made some hard decisions here <laughs>
2: and made some very questionable advertising <laughs> uh targets there but i still feel like i earned it <laughs> <laughs> we we were bold some people questioned our moves and in the end they were right but fortune favors the bold he also said uh i think he said they were like two players away from being a title contender, which you know, trade for Steph Curry, sign Kevin Durant. I think you are. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think it works. It's it's all happening. I do. Yeah, I I I don't see that path. <laughs> I, I you know, crazier things have happened. Actually, Noel. I mean, Mikhail Prokhorov ran a team for six years.
1: But he bought the team. Like, having a lot of uh, rich guy buying a team and, and running it is not that surprising, right? Like, that's that's a tale of, as old as time itself. Sure. It's rich guy buys team, has fun, makes stupid choices.
2: Rebuttal, Vivek Ranadive in Sacramento. That has been insane. Yeah, uh, agreed. So, <laughs> the, I think crazy things are capable of happening. Crazy
1: things are capable of happening, but, like, right. they have no assets. Like, they have, what, like... Rondé Hall's Jefferson's kind of fun-ish.
2: He's kind of, well, he's and also, also like, injured. Yeah, out for two months.
1: Right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, next season, I don't see the path to them. They got to bring a back the Brooklyn contender. Knight. That's that's the problem. That's, just that's what when wrong. Lame mascot them. Yeah. Ken Berger, by the way, about the New Orleans Pelicans reports that they are moving to uh, hire Joe Dumars, former Pistons general manager, as the team's new basketball boss. Actually, right now, apparently, they're having Saints GM Mickey Loomis make some personnel decisions, which is weird that they have, like, this football guy making basketballs kind of
2: I think they share choices. the same training staff, which seems like a terrible idea. Yeah. Yeah. They're super weird. Yeah. or Or it's the same medical staff, but it's somewhere in that field that they're, like... I don't think football and basketball are all that similar in ha- in terms of the kind of bodies you need.
1: No, I mean it's it's still like doctordom. That's that's all I know about what those people sure. do. But like, you're right that they're very different injuries. Yeah. By the way,
2: hiring Joe Dumars is
1: an awful idea. Right. He's he wasn't a good general manager. He was he, like 14 years ago. Okay, that's that's true. He was for like yeah, yeah he was when he set up the Pistons, and then the in the last 10 years, he has not been good. Or this is the was equivalent of being good.
2: like, well, you know, Byron Scott did lead to a team to two NBA Finals as a coach. Like, <laughs> yeah, in like 2003. We're in 2016. He gave Charlie Villanueva 48 million dollars. Yes. Like, you can't do this. You can't no. like you can't be this this much like New Orleans Pelicans. He can hold two phones at one time. He's very good at <laughs> holding two phones at once. It's an iconic picture. I feel like you can get anybody to hold coupons
1: <laughs> Uh also in Pelicans News, which we have a lot of, Quincy Pondex are out for the remainder of the season, still has the best first letter, last uh first letter of your first name, first part of your last name, nickname yeah. of all time. Coupon.
2: Coupon. And uh he also has an adorable, like, Siberian husky type dog. Like hmm. looks like that, named Buckets. Which, <laughs> his, which is a name I would name, name my dog. Yeah. That's that's awesome.
1: Yeah. So anyway, that coupon is out is is a tragedy for all involved. Sucks. Um, and maybe the biggest story of the day was the New York Times Uno report. This is great. About the Atlanta Hawks playing uh, a revved up version of Uno on all of their team flights. And they're just like great quotes from Dennis Schroeder and Al Horford and Kent Bazemore of, of how...
2: Much, how intense they are. I love that Tim Hardaway Jr. got, he skipped a game and then got kicked out of the group <laughs> because he he decided not to play on one flight.
1: You, uh, yeah. Tough game after a tough loss. You're injured. You're like, man, guys, I got to sleep. You can't play Uno ever again. Yeah. You're Those out. are the rules. As, as Kent Bazemore said, Uno
2: is always a thrill. It's always a thrill. <laughs> they bring the heat. like, what they do is they, they draw all the draw two and draw four and reverse and skip cards, like, they double them up. In the right. deck, and it's like that's they call it bringing the heat. They get and yeah, they add up all of those cards from other decks. Yeah, so from other I, decks. So you, it's like really, is a super Uno game.
1: It is the WWE of Uno, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it
2: might even be like ECW. If they publish rules, we should play it. Right, like uh, I love they Uno. Would, yeah. I've destroyed my nieces in really. At Uno. Like yeah. I. I and think Candyland. Uno
1: on its own, I think, needs it needs some heat. <laughs> it does need some I heat. I think it needs some heat. Yeah. I think you need to do, like, the if you put down draw four on a draw four card, then the next person has to draw eight. Like, I they like con- that addition. They
2: conspired to make Bazemore draw 50. 50 cards. 50 is a lot of cards. Uh, yeah. Uh, are they putting money on Uno? They've got to be putting money on it. I like, think that's they're not putting, think they're the putting story, money on who gets on the plane it. first. Like, yeah, I would imagine they're putting money on Uno. <laughs>
1: All right, we got to take a break. On the next segment, we answered the remainder of your questions. We got like five left that we got to get through. But regardless, we'll 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 make it happen. That's next on the Salt City Hoops Show on ESPN seven hundred. The
0: You're listening to Salt City Hoops on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN seven hundred.
1: Curtis Blow raises some good points Certainly that Basketball is, is his favorite sport They dribble it up and down the court quite nicely
2: He shouts out Dr. J and Moses Malone uh, yeah, Who are I, very good players
1: <laughs> I, I play this song by the way Because again we're doing this crowdsourcing show today uh, where we asked, "Hey, you guys, what should we talk about?" And Joey, in all of his infinite wisdom, said basketball. So, yeah, this is this is basketball. I feel like we accomplished that. We've done it. Yeah. It's it's it's
2: done. Curtis Blow's favorite play is the alley oop. <laughs> he says so. But, uh, you know what? It, I think it's my favorite play too. It's a pretty good play. It's a good play. When done properly, it can be quite devastating. <laughs> Again, I still love the semi-pro. Scene oh, it's so great! Of the the
1: oop foul or two fouls called. We just can't just
2: have people jumping up in the air like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we also had six different questions from John English. Um five of them which had to do with movies. Let's see, or TV shows. Let's see. Yes, it is it fair to call the Martian a comedy? Should the Powerball winner hire a new lawyer for Stephen Avery? Uh it wanted us to talk about an appreciation of David Bowie's performance as Pontius Pilot. Pontius Pilot. Pontius Pontius Pilot, thank you. Vin Diesel's career re- reimagined without uh triple X. And which NBA player deserves your own Curb Your Enthusiasm show? Which that one's pretty basketball-y. Do you have an answer for that? Yeah, Rasheed Wallace.
2: Okay, I don't you. care that he's <laughs> I don't care that he's retired. My answer for anything of like who would you like to hang out with? Who would you like to see do this? It's always Rasheed Wallace.
1: But his top five unpronounceable college uh, coaches' names request intrigued me. Yeah, and so I looked up all the Division One college coaches' names, and there were some pretty good names amongst college coaches. I actually came up with twelve. Wow. <laughs> Uh, I couldn't
2: name twelve college coaches. right no, now.
1: No, I. I mean, this was Wikipedia enhanced. <laughs> this is. I. <laughs> I don't think I know twelve college coaches. Period. Uh, Gravel Craig is somebody's name. He's coach of the Bethune Cookman Wildcats. That sounds like a place. I just like that he has Craig. Uh, he has a last name as a first name and a first name as a last name. Yeah. Gravel Craig, Barclay Radebaugh. Again, Par- Barclay as a as a real feels like person a John name.
2: Hodgman character.
1: Yeah, it's like it's not a real person, yeah. except for it definitely would be for like the Charleston Southern Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you, you're from Charleston. Oh, okay, it makes sense now. Uh, Duggar Balcom from the Citadel. Again, the Citadel is my favorite college name because um, yeah. it has an article in it, right? Like, it's not. <laughs> sure. It's like Ohio State University. It's not a made up. Like, yeah, right. They're the faking it.
2: Citadel. The, the Citadel knows what's up.
1: Mike Strasewski, of course, is is unpronounceable. Um, Has no relation from the letters in that name to the
2: syllables. I don't understand
1: it. It it doesn't make any sense. I hope that's
2: not rude, but I just don't understand it.
1: Yeah. There's a guy named Link Darner who coaches the Green Bay Phoenix. Link spelled L I N C. I just think that's a weird person. I I think it's like a a Vegas hotel. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) As a name. Just Stay at the Link Darner.
2: Great buffet. (laughs) Right.
1: Aaron Gonneau, uh presumably is how you pronounce that, from the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. Sure. Uh, Fran O'Hanlon is a fun name. Lafayette Leopards.
2: If St- I was the play-by-play person for Lafayette Leopards, I would probably say Han O'Franlin a lot, by <laughs> mistake. <laughs> right.
1: Like, those are three very similar syllables. Uh, Steve Wojciechowski, or actually, we have someone here on staff to pronounce that for us. Steve Wojciechowski. It's like, where's your house key but put Woj on the front, okay? <laughs> that's great. Where's your house-ski? Is that? <laughs> but put Woj on the front, so Woj, where's your house key? Yeah. that's, that's... It's how I've been instructed to pronounce it. Yeah. Thanks to mispronouncer.com slash miscellaneous slash audio slash Steve Uh Lavelle Moten, that's just kind of like a, a Utah name, like Lavelle to put in the the mid capital V and then Moton, I I don't know if you say that Marden
2: Moton I don't know it's it's reminds unpronounceable. me of, reminds me of Brock Modem yeah exactly yeah. it's it's Brock who is Australian right <laughs> yes yeah and Somebody was played on for the Utah Jazz, yeah League was on the team?
1: Jazz Summer League team yeah. two years in a row um, did some good things at points I like him Dave Wojcik. Uh, W-O-G-C-I-K. I guess if you have a Woj start to your name, it's You're gonna probably be... going to be
2: involved in basketball. Yes. <laughs> and it's
1: going to be confusing Very. For, for readers later on or or coaches or whatever. Horace Brodnack. See, that just reminds me of the Lorax, right? Like
2: Horace Brodnack is an amazing name. <laughs> oh, man.
1: Broadnack spelled B-R-O-A-D-N-A-X. Yeah. And then we've got Todd Kowalczyk, I think, presumably. and But Todd only has one D. So they. Oh, I don't like that. They, they splurged on the last name, but went very cheap on the first. Yeah, name. Yeah, I'm
2: out on that because uh, that reminds me of like Zac Efron, who I actually like, but I don't like the way he spells his name. Yeah, that's
1: that's misguided. Yeah. Uh, we do have another Twitter question, by the way. Before we get into the Jazz's upcoming schedule, uh, KSL Triple Team. By the way, I do the KSL uh, game recaps every day on KSL.com. Called the Triple Team. Uh, got me thinking yesterday. I wrote about. Of the current Lakers roster, which players would make it onto the Jazz's roster? Okay. Uh, and then he asked, would you guys do a DeAngelo Russell-Dante-Exum swap? Ooh. I'm going to say no. And I know that's crazy based on, again, Dante-Exum 7PR that I've mentioned like four times this show. But he has a much better defensive position than than D'Angelo Russell
2: does at this point. Like yeah. he's
1: got that base to stand on no matter what.
2: I would say yes. But I'm you very, would do that swap? I'm very high on D'Angelo Russell. I think he fits really well in today's NBA. Um I am worried that he's maybe not a point guard. Yeah. Um and so like if he's not a point guard then it gets trickier. But I I love his game and I um I would do that swap but be very cautious as I did it.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the sort of question that is like designed to embarrass you three years down the road,
2: right? Oh, I, almost everything I say I think is designed to embarrass me <laughs> three years down the road, if not sooner.
1: Good good news we're not recording these or anything. Right. We are actually. You these can mics listen, aren't on. <laughs> you can listen to any of the show that you missed on <laughs> com, just by the way. Or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Let's get that out of the way. Uh we talked about this earlier in the show, but the Jets have a pretty easy schedule coming up for the rest of the for the rest of the week, and actually next week too. So at Portland tomorrow, home against the Kings Thursday, and then home against the Lakers Saturday, and then next week they play at Bob or at the Charlotte Hornets. Sorry, the Bobcats, Bobcats no longer exist, and then two games in New York at Knicks, at Nets, and then at Wizards. All of those teams are under five hundred. Yes. Um, It looks like a time where the Jazz could pick up some wins, maybe move up in the Western Conference.
2: Prediction, all three games this week, wins. Yeah. And I'm going to say plus... Plus 41 in those three games.
1: Wow. Okay. So yeah. you're even going score differentials. Yeah.
2: And uh, and if I'm wrong, you can't hold it against me. No. Because predictions are stupid. <laughs>
1: and it's certainly <laughs> not that the, the Russell Exum thing. No. Please don't please bring that up against not. us ever, regardless of how it turns out. Yeah. All right. That's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, please check us out on SaltCityHoops.com, the
3: ESPN Troop affiliate for the Utah Jazz. Thank you again, once again, on ESPN 700.